إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد so we're on the section where Al-Imam Al-Tahawi Rahimahullah Ta'ala was talking about some of the angels and our belief in some of these angels that he mentions in particular. وَنُؤْمِنُ بِمَلَكِ الْمَوْتِ الْمُوَكَّلُ بِقَبْضِ أَرْوَاحِ الْعَالَمِينَ He says now we believe in the angel of death. The one who has been given the responsibility of taking the souls of the creation. The angel of death is one of the angels that we believe in, of course, from amongst all of the various angels. The angel of death is one of those that we are aware of. He has been given the responsibility of taking the souls of the people <coughs> and that is mentioned in the Quran قُلْ يَتَوَفَّاكُمْ مَلَكُ الْمَوْتِ الَّذِي وُكِّلَ بِكُمْ say that the angel of death brings death upon you the one who has been given that responsibility meaning by the permission of Allah he comes and takes the souls or by the permission of Allah, the angel of death comes and takes the souls. ثُمَّ إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ تُرْجَعُونَ Then to your Lord you return. So Allah tells us in this ayah regarding the angel of death, that the angel of death has been given the responsibility of taking the souls of those who die, and then they return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, there is a point to note. In another ayah of the Quran, it says, "Hatta ida ja ahadukum, hatta ida ja ahadakum al maut, tawafathu rusuluna, wahum la yufarrithun." That when death comes to one of you, our messengers, meaning the angels, they cause that death, meaning they take that soul. So this ayah seems to affirm that there are multiple angels. There are several angels that take the souls of those who die. Whereas the previous ayah had spoken about just the angel of death taking the souls. And there is another ayah, Allahu yatawaffa al-anfusa hina mawtiha. That Allah is the one who causes the death upon the souls or upon those people. He is the one who takes that soul. So one ayah telling us Allah is the one who takes that soul, that person dies Another ayah, the angel of death is the one who's been given the responsibility to take those souls. And in another ayah, that there are several angels with that responsibility of taking the souls. 
So how do we understand all of these ayat? How do we combine all of these ayat? Because we obviously know there cannot possibly be any contradiction in the ayat of the Qur'an. There is no contradiction. So how do we understand these ayat? How is the soul of a person taken? Allah takes it himself or the angel of death takes it or these other multiple angels that are mentioned take it. What happens? Those multiple angels are assistants of the angel of death. He's the one that first takes it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that decrees it. Basically, he's the Qadai. Alright, so of course, the death of a person that is decreed by and under the control of Allah. So that explains that ayah. Then it is the angel of death who has the responsibility of taking the soul. That explains that ayah. After he takes the soul, then the, as you said, the other angels as inverted commas assistants, they then help and take the soul after that from the angel of death. So all of them are applicable, these ayat. It is Allah who decrees that death upon the person causes that death. The angel of death is the one given the responsibility of taking the soul. Then the other angels take it from there. The other angels then take the matter on from there. So, <coughs> in that way, there is no contradiction between these ayat. There is no issue regarding them. One point to mention here though on this topic of the soul being taken by the angel of death. What exactly is the soul? What exactly is the soul? Something you can't see inside. Huh? Just some cave. How? It's a created entity by Allah, but there's not much information given. It's like limited to what we know. Fitra? Alright, here it says, قَدْ اِخْتُولِفَ فِي حَقِيقَةِ النَّفْسِ مَا هِيَ that it has been differed over what this nafs is, or what we intend now is the ruh. What is that? هَلْ هِيَ مِنْ أَجْزَاءِ Is the soul a part of the body somewhere? Like your organs are parts of your body. Your heart is a part of your body, your lungs, your kidneys, your liver parts of your body, that the soul is somewhere as a part of the body. Is that how it is, that the soul is somewhere in the body, it has a location, it is a part of the body somewhere, or not? Is... That soul or the nafs, and really they're two separate things the scholars talk about them, but for our purposes here, we're only discussing the soul. 
Is it a part of the body? Is it like an organ in the body? What is it exactly? The scholars have said, the soul, it is a that, it is some entity, an independent, stand-alone entity that Allah has created, an independent, stand-alone entity that Allah has created. And it is of course inside of us. But it is not part of the body like an organ of the body. It is an independent entity, an independent item that exists within us. (coughs) And the soul never dies. The soul of a person never dies. When the soul is blown into that child, when the child is still in the womb of the mother, then that soul carries on from that moment onwards. It's with that child in the womb of the mother. Then the child is born, the soul is with that child. The child lives on this earth, the soul is with it. Then that person now dies. What is the meaning of death anyway? The meaning of death is that the soul separates from the body and goes. And so all that's left now is just the corpse of that person. Not alive anymore. The soul has exited and gone from it. But then where does it go when it exits? The body is then buried. Even if it's not buried, that person is now in the barzakh. And the soul is there. So the soul simply leaves this earth and goes to the barzakh. Doesn't die. In the barzakh it stays there. When the day of judgment happens, it simply goes from there to the afterlife. From there into paradise or hell. So the soul just carries on moving from one place to the next. In this child, in the womb of the mother. On this earth with that person as he lives. In the barzakh, in the afterlife, the soul is just moving along one place to the next. The soul doesn't die. So that is something uh, separate and distinct. And the scholars have spoken about the issue of the punishment of the grave. When the punishment and the blessings of the grave happen in the barzakh, then is the soul... What gets this punishment and this blessing in the grave? Or is it the body of the person too? The body and the soul of the person experiences that punishment and blessing of the grave? Or is that just the soul that is experiencing those things in the barzakh? The three opinions, but the main one is about the body and The correct opinion, as Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentioned... And he mentioned that the scholars are generally agreed upon it, in fact. Is that the punishment and the blessings of the grave occur both on the soul and the body? That does not mean that if you were to dig somebody up, you would see bruising on that person's body. Or that you would see them in bliss. Because the affairs of the grave are from the affairs of the unseen So that person may be in punishment in the grave, you dig it up, put a camera, you're not going to see anything. He could be in blessings in the grave, you put a camera in there, you're not going to see anything. It is from the unseen what is occurring in the grave. 
the blessings of the grave, it's mentioned in some hadith, how that person's grave is opened up so far as the eye can see, big and spacious, and a door to paradise is opened. As for the, the other side, then it's squashed until the ribs are cracked and a door to hellfire is opened. But you're never going to see any of those things. They are from the unseen. So, here Al-Imam Al-Tahawi speaks about this topic of the angel of death and our belief in the angel of death. And (coughs) regarding how to understand those different ayat, those different ayat, Regarding who takes the soul of a person, is it Allah directly, is it the angel of death, is it the other angels? So it is Allah initially who decrees that, then the angel of death is given the responsibility of removing the soul, then the other angels are the helpers that may take the affair on from there. Also when a person dies, it is mentioned in a hadith, Ibn Abu'l-Izz mentions it here, in ruh إِذَا قُبِضَ تَبِعَهُ الْبَصَرِ That when a soul is taken from a person, a person dies, the soul is taken by the angels. It is mentioned that the eyesight of the person follows the soul being taken. That is, in the last moment that the person his eyesight follows the soul being taken. <coughs> so that is some details regarding the angel of death and regarding the soul. We've already spoken briefly about how the soul is taken out of a person at the time of death. When it comes to the believers, then generally the soul is taken out with ease. تَسِيلُ كَمَا تَسِيلُ الْقَطِرَ مِنْ فِي السِّقَاءِ That it pours out just like the water pours out of a vessel with ease. But as for the disbeliever, then it is ripped from that person, ripped out with difficulty because it does not want to exit knowing what awaits it in the afterlife. Then Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says, that we also believe in لِمَنْ كَانَ لَهُ أَهْلًا We believe in the punishment of the grave for the one who is deserving of it. وَسُؤَالٌ مُنْكَرٌ وَنَكِيرٌ فِي قَبَرِهِ عَنْ رَبِّهِ وَدِينِهِ وَنَبِيَّهِ And the questioning of Munkar and Nakir of that person in his grave, the three questions, who is your Lord and who is your Prophet, and what is your religion? عَلَى مَا جَاءَتْ بِهِ الْأَخْبَارِ عَنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم وعن الصحابة رضوان الله عليهم والقبر روضة من رياض الجنة أو حفرة من حفر النيران Now we believe in the punishment of the grave for the one who is deserving of that punishment and we believe in the questioning of المنكر and النكير the questioning that happens in the grave known as Fitnatul Qabr, the trial of the grave. When the person is asked, who is your Lord, what is your religion, who is your prophet? And we believe in all of that, 
based upon the narrations that have come to us from the Prophet ﷺ and from the companions, from amongst them the narration that the grave is either a garden from the gardens of paradise or a pit from the pits of the hellfire. That narration may be weak, but the general meaning of the type of thing that occurs is correct. So what is the evidence for this regarding the punishment of the grave? The evidences are in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. In the Qur'an you will find the evidences regarding the punishment of the grave. In the Sunnah it occurs also. So in the Qur'an for example, when Allah said, وَحَاقَ بِآلِ فِرْعَوْنَ سُوءُ الْعَذَابِ النَّارُ يُعْرَضُونَ عَلَيْهَا غُدُوًّا وَعَشِيًّا وَيَوْمَ تَقُومُ السَّاعَةِ أَدْخِلُوا آلَ فِرْعَوْنَ أَشَدَّ الْعَذَابِ That Pharaoh and the people of Pharaoh, they are surrounded by a, an evil punishment. The fire... They are being cast upon the fire day and night, morning and evening. Then when the hour is established, It will be said, Now put Pharaoh and his people into the more severe punishment. When the hour is established and it is said, take Pharaoh and his people and put them into the more severe punishment after the hours been established, then obviously that is referring to the hellfire. So if after the hour is established, they are going to be cast into the hellfire, the ayah says already now, morning and evening, they are being burnt by the fire. So which fire are they in now then, if they're not in the hellfire yet? So that is the fire of the grave, the punishment of the grave. It must be because on the day of judgment, they're going to be thrown into the hellfire. So where are they now? Which fire? The fire of the grave. They are being punished in the grave. Now that is an evidence the scholars they use to highlight the punishment of the grave. And there are many other evidences also, many other narrations that highlight the punishment of the grave. That people are either punished in their graves after they die or they are given blessings in their graves up until the day of judgment and when, when they will then be resurrected out of their graves. Another one of the narrations in the sunnah then as an evidence is the hadith, مَرَّ النَّبِيُّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ بِقَذَرَيْنَ فَقَالْ إِنَّهُمَا لَيُعَذَّبَانَ The Prophet... <coughs> <laughs> walked past two graves and he said, those two are being punished in their graves. As for one of them, the Prophet said, he used to go around storytelling, causing problems between people. He said this and that guy said this about you. Carrying tales and stories between people to cause corruption. وَأَمَّا الْآخَرِ فَكَانَ لَا يَسْتَنْزِهُ مِنَ الْبَوْلِ وَفِي رِوَايَةَ كَانَ لَا يَسْتَتِرُ مِنَ الْبَوْلِ He never used to conceal himself when urinating or 
In another narration, he never used to look after himself when urinating, the impurity going everywhere. So punishment of the grave for that. So the point being in that narration, the Prophet ﷺ affirmed that the two of them were in the punishment of the grave. So therefore punishments of the grave are real. Blessings of the grave also mentioned in one hadith, for example, it mentions Nasamatul Mu'mini fi ta'irin fi qanadil al-jannah. That the soul of a believer, it's in the green birds. In the birds and they are flying around in paradise upon the lanterns of the throne, etc. So that is from the blessings of the grave. And also the other narrations about how the grave is made expanded and a door to paradise is opened. So all of these are affirmations (coughs) regarding the blessings and the punishments of the grave. Uh, In another hadith it mentions, إِنَّ الْعَبْدِ إِذَا وُضِعَ فِي قَبَرِهِ وَتَوَلَّى عَنْهُ أَصْحَابُهُ that when a person, a servant of Allah, dies and he's buried in the grave, buried, finished, all the soil on top, and the people who buried him, his family, his companions, whoever they were, they've buried him and they are now leaving. As they leave, إِنَّهُ عَالِهِمْ That deceased person, after the people have buried him and now leaving, he hears their footsteps walking away. He hears their footsteps walking away. إِنَّهُ لَيَسْمَعْ قَرْعَنِ عَالِهِمْ فَيَأْتِيهِ مَلَكَانِ And then two angels come to him. And in one narration it mentions that they are أَسْوَدَانِ أَزْرَقَانِ In appearance. Black and blue in appearance. المنكر والنكير. So they come to him. فَيُقْعِدَانِهِ And they sit him up in the grave. فَيَقُولَانِ لَهُ And they say to him, مَا كُنْتَ تَقُولُ فِي هَذَا الرَّجُلُ Muhammad وسلم, What did you used to say about this man Muhammad? What, what's your opinion? What were you upon regarding Muhammad فَأَمَّا الْمُؤْمِنِ So as for the believer, he will say, أَشْهَدُ أَنَّهُ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولُهُ I testify that he is the servant of Allah and his messenger. فَيَقُولُ لَهُ So then, the, then they say to him, it is said to him, أُنظُرْ إِلَى مَقْعَدِكَ مِنَ النَّارِ They say to him, look at your place in the hellfire. They say to him, look at your place in the hellfire. أَبَدَلَكَ اللَّهُ بِهِ مَقْعَدًا مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ Look at your place in the hellfire. Allah has exchanged that for you with your place in paradise. Look at what your place in the hellfire would have been. But you are a mu'min. Allah has exchanged that for this place in paradise for you. So that shows the person the great blessing of Allah, his place in hellfire. Taken away, he has been given a place in paradise instead. فَيَرَاهُمَا جَمِيعًا So it mentions in this hadith, 
that he sees both of them. He sees his place in hellfire, what it would have been. And now he sees by the mercy of Allah, the place in paradise that he is going to be in. So that will show the person the great blessing of Allah upon him, how Allah has saved him from that hellfire and that place in the hellfire and given him the place in paradise. Uh, in another narration, إِذَا قُبِرَ أَحَدُكُمْ إِنسَانِ When one of you is buried or a person is buried, أَتَاهُ مَلَكَانْ أَسْوَدَانْ أَزْرَقَانْ Two angels come to him in a black and blue appearance. Some scholars said maybe, maybe, it doesn't say, but maybe the hadith means that Munkar and Nakir, they are like black figures, like dark silhouettes, and they have blue eyes, shiny blue eyes. Maybe that's the meaning. That's not definite, but that is ijtihad of some scholars, an explanation possibly that this is what the narration means. But in any case, black and blue is what is mentioned about their appearance. Uh, one of them is called, it says in the hadith, يُقَالُ لِأَحَدِهِمَا الْمُنْكَرُ وَلِلْآخَرَ nakir One of them is called al-munkar, and the other one is called al-nakir. So that then is regarding the punishments of the grave, and of course also the blessings of the grave, and that is something we believe in. Uh, Ibn Abil Izz, he mentions then, one of the points to summarize with all of this is, Al-Hasil An-Nadur Thalath. He says, one of the things you can conclude from all of this, is that there are three places of residence. Three places where all of us will live in. First, Darud Dunya. This world. This is our first place we all live in. This world. Then, the second place. The Barzakh. Second place all of us are going to go to and going to be in is the Barzakh. That is, when you die, it's not the day of judgment yet, when you die, you are in the barzakh. Up until the day of judgment happens, then you get taken out into the afterlife, paradise or hell. So the second stage is that you remain in the barzakh, up until the day of judgment happens. Then the third place where you're going to live is the afterlife, either paradise or hell. Uh, some of the Salaf they used to say From those three places you're all going to live in All of us are going to go through those three places This world, the Barzakh, the afterlife Only one of those three is an opportunity To do the good deeds And that is this world Now, when a person moves on from this world into the Barzakh Your chance is gone You can't try and do good deeds then And get good deeds in your books That's gone now you go after that to the afterlife, no chance there, it's gone now. The only chance, the Salaf used to say, to do your good deeds and get your accountability fixed up is in this world now. Now is the opportunity. And you have the hadith from the Prophet إِذَا مَاتَ الْعَبْدِ عَنْهُ عَمَلُهُ إِلَّا مِنْ When a person dies, a servant of Allah dies, his actions are cut off, finished. Apart from three things. Sadaqatin jariyah, ongoing charity. You give to a mosque or something, even after you die, that mosque is being used by the people, they're praying in it, so you carry on getting reward, you donate it to it. Or, 
ilmin yuntafa'u bih knowledge that you leave behind you teach your friends your family your neighbors you teach them about tawhid warn them against shirk after you die they are still practicing the religion upon the knowledge you had taught them so you carry on benefiting and thirdly waladin salihin yad'u lah a righteous child that makes dua for that person after his death in one narration it mentions how a person is moved up in levels in paradise and so he says to allah for what Uh, what have I done to deserve this? What have I done to deserve this raise in paradise? So it will be said to him, because of your child making dua for you. Your child made dua for you for forgiveness, etc., for the mercy, and he benefits from that dua. Allah raises him <coughs> in paradise. Also, some more narrations about this topic. Uh, one of them, It talks about the screams of the people who are being punished in their graves. The screams of the people who are being punished in their graves. Of course, we know that we cannot... Cannot what? Here, we cannot hear the screams of the people being punished in their graves. And that is something the Prophet ﷺ told us about. He said, لَوْلَا أَلَّا تَدَافَنُوا لَدَعَوْتُ اللَّهَ أَنْ يُسْمِعَكُمْ مِنْ عَذَابِ الْقَبَرِ مَا أَسْمَعَ That was it not for the fact that you would not bury your dead, then I would have made dua to Allah to allow you to hear the punishments of the grave from what I hear. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Was it not for the fact you would not bury your dead, I would have made dua to Allah to allow you to hear the screams and the punishments of the grave. What does it mean? Does it mean that if we could hear the screams of the punishments of the grave going on, none of us would want to go near the graveyard and bury anybody? Maybe. Maybe that's what the narration means. But the scholars, they say, it's not that. There is something more than that. And what it means more than that is, that the reality is, we would not be able to handle hearing the punishments of the grave. We'd end up dying hearing that. Such is the severity of it. We would not be able to handle hearing the punishments of the grave. Scholars also do mention Why, what are some of the other wisdoms why Allah has not allowed us to witness the punishments of the grave going on? Why has that been kept in the knowledge of the unseen? <coughs> One, because it's a test of our iman, whether we're going to have iman and believe that happens or not. Believe in the barzakh, iman in the barzakh, iman in the day of judgment, iman in the punishment of the grave, it's a test. If everybody could see it happening, then there's no test. Everybody can see it. So it's a test of iman for one thing. On top of that, the scholars have mentioned, like a Shaykh al-Ithaymeen, rahimahullah, that it preserves the honor of the family of the deceased. Because imagine now, you go and bury somebody, and you can see that he is in punishment of the grave. And that's a disgrace for the family of the person. That he was not righteous, he's being punished in his grave. 
it would be a disgrace for the family too. So it preserves the honor of the family that you do not know what is happening. And there are other reasons also. But that is something which is mentioned in this narration. In another hadith, it mentions about the door to paradise and hell being opened up. It says, That the disbelievers, a door to hell fire is opened up. So he looks at his place in the hellfire. Then that person can see always, continuously, he can see that there in front of him, his place in the hellfire up until the day of judgment is established. And that's why it's mentioned the kuffar in the barzakh, they say to Allah, Ya Rabbi, la tuqim Our Lord, do not establish the hour. Don't make the day of judgment happen. Because they know they're going to go and end up in hellfire. The believers, it says in the hadith, they say, Ya Rabbi, aqim Our Lord, my Lord, establish the day of judgment. Make it happen. They want it to happen quickly because they can then go and take their place in paradise. Then after that, Al-Imam Al-Tahawi says, وَنُؤْمِنُ بِالْبَعَثِ And we discussed some of these issues now already. He says, we believe in the resurrection, that all of us will be resurrected. <coughs> if you think, for example, to some of the chapters of the Qur'an, easy chapters. إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا وَأَخْرَجَتِ الْأَرْضُ أَثْقَالَهَا what does that mean? All of us memorized it since kids. إِذَا زُلْزِلَتِ الْأَرْضُ زِلْزَالَهَا When the earth will shake, it's tremendous shaking and earthquake. That is talking about when the Day of Judgment happens. Then, أَخْرَجَتِ الْأَرْضُ أَثْقَالَهَا The earth will expel its burden, its weight. What is the burden and the weight upon the earth? All of the buried Bodies of people from, imagine now just how many people there are now from the time of Adam salam, how many people have been buried in the earth. Huge numbers. So then it says in the ayah, the earth expels its weight. All those people, they are expelled out, resurrected. So we believe in that resurrection that occurs. وَجَزَاءُ الْأَعْمَالِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ And we believe in the recompense of your actions on that day. That you will be held accountable and there will be recompense upon your actions. And we spoke already, you remember, about the weighing scale, the balance, and the deeds are weighed up. And if your deeds are heavier, that is the success. If your deeds are lighter, that is the failure. If your deeds are exactly equal, you go to Al-A'raf. And then after that, enter paradise. So we spoke about the issue of the weighing scale. And we mentioned what goes into the weighing scale. Either your books where your deeds are written. Or it could be the people themselves. And the evidence for that was the hadith of Ibn Mas'ud. When he was climbing the tree and the wind blew his garment. And they saw that his shins were thin. And they were finding that amusing. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Don't laugh at his shins. They are going to be heavier in the weighing scale than Mount Uhud. 
So maybe the people and also maybe the actions themselves. Maybe the actions themselves are put into the weighing scales. And there is the famous hadith about the weighing scales. Hadith al-Bitaqah. A man who will come on that day with 99 scrolls. Every scroll rolls out as far as the eye can see. That's one. Then another one rolls out as far as the eye can see. 99 scrolls full of evil deeds. And then it will be said to him, have you got anything good? He will say, لا يا ربي, no my lord. But then it will be said, بل لك عندنا حسنا. You do have a good deed that we've got for you. So then, this bitaqah, this parchment, is brought out, and it says on it, La ilaha illallah. So despite all of that evil he'd done, 99 scrolls of evil deeds, in the end, scholars say he had died upon tawheed. In the end, he had maybe accepted Islam or whatever the circumstance, but at the end, he had died upon tawheed. So then that is put on one side of the wing scale, the 99 scrolls on the other side of the wing scale. And la ilaha illallah outweighs all of the rest. And also we believe in al-ard wal-hisab. Al-ard we didn't speak about in much detail before. <coughs> al-ard wal-hisab, it is when your deeds... You are questioned about your deeds. It mentions, مَا مِنْكُمْ مِنْ أَحَدٍ إِلَّا سَيُكَلِّمُهُ رَبُّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ لَيْسَ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَهُ تُرْجُمَانِ There is not a single one from amongst you except that Allah will speak to you on that day and there will be no interpreter in between. Everybody is going to be questioned. The questioning, when you are questioned about your deeds and your actions, is two types. One is known as al-ard. And one is al-munaqasha. If you are given al-ard, that means that all of your deeds are presented to you. You're good and you're bad. Everything laid out in front of you. And obviously you'll have some bad in there. You have to acknowledge it. It's there in your book. You will be there questioned about all of your deeds. You acknowledge your deeds. And Allah pardons you upon them for your good deeds and everything else you may have. And the mercy of Allah you see everything there, you see your bad deeds there, you acknowledge them, you have to. And then Allah pardons you and you're allowed to go. That is known as al-ard. Your deeds are presented to you, you have to see it all there. And then you are pardoned and allowed to go. The second type of questioning though, is known as a munaqasha. That's when you are shown your deeds, your good and your bad is all there. But you're not allowed to just go. You start to get questioned and analyzed on your bad deeds. If you start to get questioned and analyzed on all of these deeds, this, that, this, that, the Prophet ﷺ said, those people are not going to be successful. You're not going to be successful if everything starts to be broken down and analyzed and that is one of the types of accountability that occurs on that day. Whereby people are analyzed on their deeds. That is known as the munaqasha. The other one is ard, where it's shown, everything's there, but no analysis goes into it. It is left, pardoned, and you can go. 
those they are successful but the ones where analysis occurs into their deeds and everything is broken down every single thing you did tiny things then that person will not be successful they'll be from the unsuccessful so that is al-ard wal-hisab wa al-kitab the reading of your book that you will be given your books and everything will be there to see wal-thawab wal-iqab and the uh, uh, reward and the punishment that will occur to the people Wasirat and the bridge. We spoke about the bridge already. About the thinner than a hair, sharper than a sword, claws on it, slippery, darkness. Some people cross in the blink of an eye, others the last one crawling across, crawling across upon his stomach. We spoke about those affairs. So that is some of the points regarding the belief in the day of judgment. All of this is belief in the day of Judgment, all of these various different things are belief in the day of judgment. <coughs> then after that he mentions Waljannatu Wanaru Mahlukatan. That paradise and hell are created. They are created. Allah created paradise and created hell. They never go extinct. Paradise and hell will never come to an end. They carry on forever. They don't come to an end. And that Allah created the paradise and hell before creating this creation. They were created already, paradise and hell. أهلاً, and Allah created the people for them. Some who will go paradise, some who will go hell. So whomsoever Allah wills by His virtue, they go to paradise. And whomsoever Allah wills by His justice, Deserving, they will go to hellfire. And everybody will do what has been decreed and what they are heading to. That we spoke about in detail about the decree, how Allah has given you the choice. It is you who is making the choice of either doing good or making the choice of wasting your life. So where you end up at the end, it is upon the choices you've made. وَالْخَيْرُ وَالشَّرُّ مُقَدَّرَانَ عَلَى الْعِبَادِ And the goodness and the evil, they have been decreed upon the servants. So this is about paradise and hell. We believe that paradise and hell have already been created and they already exist right now. They have already been created... <clears throat> and they already exist right now. Paradise and hell. Not like the people of innovation who claim that paradise and hell have not yet been created. There are people of innovation who say that paradise and hell will only be created on the day of judgment. They say, now what's the point? On the day of judgment is when people are going to go into paradise and hell. That's when Allah is going to create paradise and hell. That's wrong though. Paradise and hell have already been created. How do we know? Hadith. Huh? Hadith. Which hadith? Some, some woman 
Okay, so there are some narrations about the Prophet seeing people in paradise and hell, which means paradise and hell obviously have to be there. And the Prophet was also before he died shown his place in paradise as well. So they were shown places in paradise. What else? There are past tense phrases in the Quran. Allah says He has prepared hellfire for the disbelievers, prepared paradise for the believers, prepared in the past tense. That Allah has already done it. It's already been prepared. We'll round off on that for today, but there's a bit more on that about the hellfire and paradise. We'll pick up from that next week about hellfire and paradise, some issues about that, uh, and then we'll move on from there, inshallah ta'ala. So, next week at quarter past seven. Anything uh, to add? Any questions or anything? Did he what? Did he? Did, did he see people in uh, Jahannam? <coughs> there were examples mentioned about him seeing people in hellfire. Or well, there were there were some examples mentioned of that. But that is, um, it, it could be understood as sh- showing the Prophet how this hellfire would be and what the punishments would be, and it wouldn't necessitate that there are people already in the hellfire. But that these are the types of examples and actions, the liars and everything else that's mentioned in that narration. Uh, And others they say maybe that was only an example of the punishment of the barzakh, equivalent to that which is going to be of the hellfire. It could apply to the believers, but the only difference, like we said, in the end is a person of Tawheed will not remain in the fire forever. So, Munaqasha could occur, it could occur to a believer, but the person would not be in the hellfire forever if he died upon Tawheed overall. What could be the difference between? The difference? Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? I mean, what could be the difference between having that sort of questioning? That's your deeds. The deeds of a person. Those who are righteous, that's the basic, basic way. Those who are righteous, pious, upon iman, then it is expected that they will simply have arb and move on. But those who have something in terms of their problems and their actions and their deeds and the issues and the sinning and the wronging, that is where you expect the munaqasha. So it will be upon your balance of deeds. Is, isn't there a better one than the people that will be questioned at all? Correct. There are some people who will enter paradise without any accountability at all. Nothing. Entered into paradise without any accountability. Mentions it in the hadith. Seventy thousand will enter paradise without any accountability or punishment. It is not only seventy thousand though. There are narrations that highlight it is actually more. There are other narrations that explain this narration and add on to it with more details. 
and it is actually more than 70,000 altogether, but there is a amount of people who will enter without any accountability or punishment. So we'll round off there for today then. Carry on next week, inshallah ta'ala.